You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! If he's possible! If he's possible! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Celtics Strong! We are here during the summer of 2022 full-on check-in, off-season turmoil or not, summer moves or not, and a preview of the upcoming season. I'm excited to be back here today with our friend Corey, frequent guest of the pod. We don't have Steve. We don't have Justin today, so you get a special two-man Corey and Eli Celtic Strong rotation. So here we are, and Steve and I talked a bit about the opening of free agency. We touched on the Brogdon and Gallinari signings, but Corey and I were ready to get into the real offseason, lack of movement for the Celtics, and what it means for the upcoming season. So without further ado, Corey, let's dive on into it. How are you Thanks. feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Catching those summer vibes right now. Um, yeah. I think all of Celtics Nation kind of exhaled a little bit yesterday, right? Um, mm. Was it yesterday or two days ago? Yesterday with the KD news. So kind of can feel like I got my cat chilling with me as uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's going to pop onto the screen. Um, but yeah, uh, just feeling like this is our team. We've, the offseason is basically done now, right? There's going to be just roster moves and stuff like that, but we kind of yeah. got our guys. So I'm um, excited to dive into that. Indeed. And as, you know, we head into the season for the most part, ready to go with a really full roster, few marginal moves here and there maybe coming. But our rotation seems not only set, but stacked. Yep. And yep. we can touch a little bit on that. Of course, this summer, there's been a lot of no movement, uh, but a lot of talk of movement. And ultimately, even 
if there was one other big move or trade not involving the Celtics, I think they will stay as the favorites heading into the season. Be pretty surprised if that shifts. So here we go. Title favorites restocked and no major moves to the core. So I'm pretty excited to run it back with not only the group that came two wins away from winning the finals, but with these additions, you know, the, the Brogdon addition obviously is the big one and his health, I think will be important, but what else, Corey, as we dive in, what else do you notice? What else are you thinking about with the rotation and how we sort of have revamped with just a few moves? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Brogdon and Gallinari, I think they're positional versatility. So it, it can they can probably go right now, what do you say, 10 deep, 11 deep maybe. Um, back end of the bench yeah. again, another question mark, just like last season. Um, hopefully we won't have to dive too deep into the back end of the bench. I think backup five is going to be an issue. Um, all summer, everyone was like, who's the backup five going to be? Who's the backup five going to be? It's like, Oh, it's, it's Cornette. That's <laughs> our number three. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously if you're talking about your third string center as the first area of kind of weakness, that, that shows a pretty, a pretty damn good rotation that we have right now. Um, set nine, sure. 10 guys. It's going to be real hard for even Peyton Richard to get minutes. Um, with the Brogdon signing, uh, he's going to have to fight to get those minutes, but it does mean that injuries, when injuries come up, I think that we do have a couple of guys to, to, to pop in. Um, I think that regular season rotation is going to be a lot. It's going to go deeper than the eight that we went last year, right? Like we had eight guys that, yeah. that he may played all season last year and everyone was kind of worried about them running out of steam because of that. Uh, but now with Gallinari, who can play four he can play a stretch five i don't want to see him at the three but like panic situation i guess we can put him at the three yeah. uh brogdon can play up or down so i think there's a lot of different rotation stuff that we can see from this roster um but you know, i'm wondering just like you know uh i know the kevin durant stuff has been beaten to death i know everyone's <laughs> talked about it uh where are you at now, now that the, the the casket hammered closed what's your feeling on it <laughs> Well, from the start, I was pretty, pretty apprehensive about not only any deal, but certainly any deal involving Jalen Brown. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go into the sort of uh, opposite ends of career trajectories or stats or anything. Kevin Durant's a better player than Jalen Brown. Probably when they're both retired, still the case. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think inarguably now probably a top 10 Pantheon kind of guy. And for this team, for where they're at, for the core and chemistry, I was never a fan of losing Jalen, you know, one of the two J's or even Rob. Mm -hmm. Now here's the, the ultimate question is, had the Nets gotten super desperate, and an offer of, let's say, Derek White, uh, Grant Williams, a bunch of picks. Let's say Marcus even. Let's say mm -hmm. it's Marcus, Grant Will. Point being that if they could have kept the two J's and Rob and brought in Kevin Durant to add to those three, I'm listening. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely <laughs> agree with yeah that. Uh, um, but I don't think that was ever going to get it done. So ultimately, within the bounds of what we were talking about, um, I was never uh, a fan of or in favor of that. And as crazy as it sounds to think like that, we value Jalen Brown almost more than Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I also think that's not crazy given the timeline, given the age, given the position, given that we literally saw Jason Tatum lock Kevin Durant the fuck down through a first round sweep. How are we going to then trade Jalen, his co, you know, his sidekick, his co-star literally for that guy. So I was never really on board, but it is crazy to not entertain that possibility. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We kick the tires. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought the whole the leaks were really curious to me about like how Jalen Brown was the only marquee name leaked, and every other name leaked was well, they're not going to trade Ingram. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies aren't going to trade Jaron Jackson. They're not going to trade Desmond Bate. <laughs> like you know, th- th- so um, I. Really curious as to how Jalen Brown was the only guy that was thrown out there. Um, and I do think that, you know, Celtics might need to do a little Jalen Brown star soothing um, because of that. Uh, he's a free agent in two years. They can't really sign him to an extension without, like, at the what he's worth because of the cap, weird cap rules. Yeah. So, so you know, there's going to be, like, a couple of years of trepidation about, you know, Jalen's going to be a free agent. He, you know, I would say more likely would resign with the Celtics. but. You know, um, career tra- trajectory, though, you're right. I think that he's the perfect fit for this team. I think he arguably outplayed Tatum in the last few rounds of the playoffs um, and sure. showed that he could uh, carry a team when when Tatum's off, you know. Um, mm-hmm. He's my favorite player. I'm so excited to have him back. Uh, was yeah. really worried about, you know, I'm a sports fan, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Celtics fan. If we traded for Durant, I'd be pissed for a couple of days and then I'd talk ourselves into being like, super title favorites, you know, that's how we work. Um, sure. but it, it does feel like more gratifying, right. Um, with the homegrown kids, this homegrown team, uh, to come up. And like you said, at the, at the start, man, we're still title favorites. Like that's, right. that's you know, that's what, that's the part of, of the whole saga that was kind of like, this is, we were always title favorites throughout that. This is always an up and coming team. Um, but I do love, how aggressive this front office is. They're going to ask, you know, they're going to, yeah. and unlike the last couple of years of the Danny Ainge era, they're going to pull the trigger on some trades, you know, that Brogdon trade, maybe that doesn't get done in Danny Ainge times. Uh, maybe we look at the roster. We say we have some somewhat redundant talent in white um, and Marcus smart. Uh, so maybe they don't pull the trigger, um, but he's here. And I think he's going to really help the team. So all in all, just excited about the Brad Stevens is kind of going for it. Uh, you know, we're not going to get a pick in the late twenties now, which eventually that means the second round pick is probably going to have to hit uh, because we need some young guys, but you know, he's there. We're all in. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. And especially following Danny's tenure and his well-documented, you know, hesitancy around giving up picks or as many astute experts have put it, you know, feeling like he lost a trade at all. Mm -hmm or giving up a future asset and yeah, from, you know, pulling the trigger on the Brogdon and or Derek white trades to just what's clearly a very, uh, you know, 
flexible, very like uh, in the moment and not as sort of holding fast as Mm -hmm. Danny felt like he always was doing. It's exciting. And I think it adds a little bit of um, not uneasiness, but just uh, excitement around possibilities and that this is a team that, you know, will be hopefully just as good as last year, if not better. Remembering that half of the the first half of the season last year, they weren't even very good. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this is a much better team, but also that something else could, you know, another trade, another domino could fall early, you know, or before the trade deadline. And you talked about Peyton Pritchard. We have some flexibility, positional versatility, or maybe some even trade flexibility too Mm -hmm. going into the season. So you mentioned, you know, backup center. There's basically like, I would say we have three to four third string centers and very little in the way of like an actual, you know, second string, but depending, you know, where people play, of course, both Al and Rob can play the five. Grant mm-hmm. can play small ball five. As you said, even Gallo could play a small ball five. Like we have a lot of versatility. We also were bringing in Noah Vonley, I believe, to camp. Yeah, saw that. Yeah. Former lottery pick. I always, mm-hmm. you know, when I see an old lottery pick that had a lot of promise and, uh, you know, he's like that stretch five in today's game, kind of really mm-hmm. long, uh, versatile, some, potential talent there we have uh uh cabin cabin like, on the two-way yeah i like oh, jelly a lot dude i don't know how much summer league you watched um but he was active highlights. man yeah yeah I, I watched maybe two games uh and he's one of those dudes that just like when he's on the court he stood out like you know in, in summer league there's always guys that you're like oh this guy's better than everybody else um yeah. you know so Kevin Jelly, I felt like he was everywhere, especially defensively. Um, he really yeah. moved well. Um, he was a first round pick too. Uh, never really panned out. Um, yeah, and him and, and yeah, and JD Davidson also. I didn't know much about. I don't watch college basketball much. Yeah. Uh, Davidson's raw as hell, but that guy is fucking fast, man. Like just watching him with the ball, he's so quick. Um, and so you know, taking chances on guys that are elite athletes. Um, in Kevin Jelly's case, knows where he needs to be. Um, we can fall in love with summer league guys. Uh, you know, I remember sure. the uh, Aaron Neesmith year where he like just went crazy um, <laughs> in one of those games, and we're like, Neesmith is next. He's coming up. You know, uh, so that happens. Um, but it does show. I think that like Kevin Jelly belongs. He'll fight for a roster spot. He might fight for uh, like that after the two way. You know, convert it to a, a full contract by the end of the year if they don't do any other big moves. Yeah. But you, you hit it, man. Uh, that flexibility, I see it as being super opportunistic, you know? Um, so they're, and, and I think it, it is because of, they have guys that can slot into other positions that, that if, the, if a, if a pick comes, if a trade comes up, um, they're ready to jump on that. Um, and they do have a couple of pieces that if they trade, I don't know if it would pull too much out of their main rotation. Um, yeah. But if they don't yeah. trade also, they got, like you said, man, they have a deep, deep squad. Uh, they, I think, could sustain even a, an injury or two and be fine. We know that Al's not going to play 82 games. 
We know Rob Williams is not going to play 82 games. There are going to be some games where we see some centers that we're like, hmm, where's Daniel Tice? Let's bring Daniel Tice back, right? Like, we're, we're, we're kind of like... <laughs> well, I'm sure you can get Tice competencies. back anyway. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tice is always available. <laughs> yeah, Always available to the Celtics. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see both how how it shakes down in you know the rotation early on if there is this sort of odd man out being, mm-hmm. you know, it being Peyton, Peyton Pritchard or someone else, but also maybe just as you were kind of mentioning a much deeper regular season rotation. And I feel like a lot of people have already kind of pointed to the Gallo signing as mm-hmm. like, this is a regular season, you know, minutes eater. Yep. He is today's like modern stretch four and this big body, sweet shooting. Mm-hmm. And he just, I've heard several people say he puts up the most shots with the least effort. He's like, you know, you barely see him move. You look up, he's got 20 and eight off the bench. Um, yeah. So it's some great, both flexibility, versatility, and filling in the gaps of stuff that seemed really missing last season. And one of the things I've been thinking about a lot over this summer is not just what the team was missing. I think it's really easy as a super fan, a casual fan even, and especially as a sports writer expert to hone in on, well, they need shooting. They need a real backup center. They need a stretch for, they need another wing who can score Mm -hmm. because the two J's go out and they can't score. Great. Like that's all pretty clear. But what I think is interesting is what did they need through the playoffs last year? Part of that based on situation, but part of that just based on the actual people on the court. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I don't think is that like far fetched or surprising is that they looked pretty sad and lost for the last few weeks of the playoffs, the end of the Miami series all through the finals, they looked really lost on offense. Of course, we now know how badly Tatum was injured. Mm -hmm. Um, We know some of the other things going on, but moreover, they didn't look like a team with like a really clear plan with a really clear pecking order. They looked a little lost, especially offensively. And they looked a little just lacking in sort of like clear plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you extend it to sort of the last month of the playoffs and finals, there are even several players who looked pretty spent or lost. You know, I'm thinking of Grant Williams. Yeah. Uh, Tatum faded, obviously, but we now know he played the most minutes in the NBA. He had a broken wrist. He had a right. probably a t- something torn in his shoulder. So not as concerned about Tatum, but um, a lot of people did fade. Even Al started to fade somewhat understandingly, but Grant Williams was just freaking nowhere for about a month. So I was really thinking about that and hoping that someone like Brogdon, who is, I just read today, I believe the something like the only second rounder to win rookie of the year. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Something crazy like that. I don't know. Only, or like maybe last only in the last 30 years or something, Mm -hmm. but Brogdon is a guy who is 
not afraid of anything, not afraid of the moment, not afraid to step up. And I feel like he's a guy who will come into a team with the two J's know his role, but also just take control in the crunch time. And I feel like there's a little bit of that missing. And that's, you know, we've touched on, on this show many times, you know, with you, without you about just sort of this, like Marcus and Al are kind of the obvious leaders, but they're probably like the realistically on your team, like the fourth and fifth best guys. Mm -hmm. And that gets weird. And the fact that Tatum's not really a vocal leader and Jalen's more of a like behind the scenes leader, Mm -hmm. I think makes a little weird Derek white being so new, both as a person and a player on the team. Like it just seemed a little awkward towards the end. And I'm hoping that these new players and just a sort of another year of this deep experience under everyone's belt will help that. But I felt like something was missing and it got to the point where I have to be honest, I like wasn't psyched to watch the Celtics towards the end of that run. I wasn't like, yeah, this is my team. These are my dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, they're hungry. These are my guys. I was like, oh, are they going to blow it? Yeah, I do that. Uh, I actually felt like game one of the of the finals, and I know you guys have already done the final recap, but just kind of jumping off of that, there was it became like 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 yeah, like you said, excitement became replaced with dread, and they won that game with that incredible comeback, right? But coming around like the second, third quarter, it's really the third quarter when the, the Warriors went on that run. And in my head, I was like, this team is just better right now than us. And I don't think their ceiling is better than us, but I think that they were a lot more focused. Um, and I think a lot more aware of the pressure of a four, four going through four rounds of the playoffs and what that means when every round is more difficult and there's more scrutiny and there's more pressure on you. Um them being through it, I think, was the biggest difference. Um, and now Brogdon, yeah. you know, he hasn't had super deep playoff runs necessarily. Um, but he is a steady veteran. Uh, and he's a dude that is really comfortable stepping into a bunch of different roles. Like, I think the thing that really, you know, one of the things he was saying that kind of endeared himself to Celtics fans is he's cool being a sixth man. You know, this is a guy that, like you said, he's won the Rookie of the Year. He's had almost 20-point scoring seasons. He's cool to just come off the bench if that's what it takes. Um, and so I think that that kind of speaks to, to his ability to, to fit in uh, with the culture. It helps shape the culture into that kind of like that team, team oriented culture, right? Um, where it doesn't become that me, that you score, I score, you score, I score kind of back and forth that we saw at the beginning of last year and a little bit towards, towards the finals, you know, um, So I think all of that, I think the experience of going through the finals can help them. Um, I think they realize you can't just fuck around and win a championship, which is kind of what they were doing for the the last two rounds. You know, we, we had our, you know, green shamrock colored glasses on, but we were mentioning, Hey, they're not, sometimes they don't look focused and they commit a lot of turnovers. I know Judd was hammering at home. They commit too many turnovers. They're not focused. Yeah, Uh, It's really hard to win a championship that way. Absolutely. And I think it's more unbelievable. They got as far as they did living that way, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And as fans, I don't even know if I could imagine maybe short of the Red Sox 
you know, 2003, 2004. I don't even know if I could imagine so much stress and such extremes encapsulated mm-hmm. in a postseason run or in like a single sort of team's identity. Like they became this dominant force, the best team in the NBA over the last couple months of the season, this defensive all-time great, and then proceeded to just make it the most yo-yo, <laughs> stomach-curdling, you know, fear-inducing yeah. uh, run. And that is something that I think uh, they hopefully will, you know, get better at. And I feel like in the finals, they ran out of, the the sort of grace period or just grace you know this sort of margin mm-hmm. where they could mess up and throw away a game or two but still ultimately win when they needed to and that i think became really apparent for me not even in game 6 but before that yeah. i don't know yeah. if it, i don't know which it was exactly if it was 5 but i just remember being like oh no it's like <laughs> They just don't have it anymore. And, you know, we won't get too much back into like the finals and what went wrong. But one more thing I'd like to point out about, you know, sort of just bringing in Brogdon and the upgrade it brings to the whole roster is that there is a bit of a sort of, you know, pointing to the Celtics defense as this amazing historic defense that propelled them on this amazing run. And while certainly that was the case and statistically seemingly the case, their defense didn't look great in the finals Mm -hmm. and the defensive player of the year got pretty much abused from the jump by Mm -hmm. Steph Curry. Now, like I said, don't need to talk about this too long. Don't need to explain why or who Steph Curry is. However, I feel like there's a little part of me that very, very like savagely and secretly was like, fucking told you Marcus Smart's not the starting point guard on a championship winning team. I'm like, I hate that I'm even bringing that back up, but as close as they came and even with him winning defensive player of the year award, the option to have white or Brogdon, in there with Tatum triggering the offense and have Marcus out for stretches in the fourth quarter does give me some solace because there were some games where Marcus there's that infamous game. I think it was against the heat where Tatum passes back to Marcus on like four straight, you know, possessions. And oh yeah. That final shot again. Right. If that's Brogdon, I'm fine with it. Right. Yeah, Brogdon's yeah. a great shooter, but yeah. Marcus, is one of the most polarizing Celtics ever. I literally love the man and he's a ride or die Celtic for me that I'll always stand behind. And he does like have a limit. And I think he was pushed beyond that. So I'm really excited with this roster to try to have people in their proper lanes. And I think that'd be if this, you know, injury is notwithstanding, if this actually happens and we get guys in the right roles. I think it'll be the first time since Marcus was drafted. Never mm-hmm. mind Jalen and Jason. Like yeah. Really the first time we've had the correct bodies for the right spots. Yeah. Like uh because like two years ago that really disappointed me here. Everyone was being asked to play one level above 
what they should be at that at that stage in their career, right? Um, and, and then so last year, like I think it fit better last year. Um, most of the pieces, like at that point, Tatum had become a one A, and Jalen had become a one B, and uh, Rob Williams had become the guy that we hoped that he would be, right? Um, but there were still people stretching a little bit past what we would want them to be asked to do. Grant Williams being one, Marcus Smart being one. Now, I, I, I do actually think that he can be the starting point guard on a championship team. Um, and I think he's going to be the starting point guard on next year's championship team. Hey. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but like, uh, I also see that he was, he was being tasked with too much um, play creation, right? Um, and that's the role that was maybe more beyond him. Um, that needs to be spread when you have a point guard like Marcus Smart. That needs to be spread across the board. Um, you need to have four or five plus playmakers on the floor. Uh, I think they're getting there. Like we've been talking about Tatum and Brown playmaking ability. Um, Brogdon is that guy. He's a glue guy offensively, moves the ball really well. Uh, Gallinari is a really smart offensive player who moves the ball well. He's going to shoot more often than he passes, but that's what he's there for. Uh, Al and Rob Williams are elite passers, I think, for their position. Um, so you, you share that wealth, uh, and it's just a matter of the guys that, who have the ball in their hands the most, which are Tatum, Brown, and Smart, being able to step up and be, be those playmakers. And I think having another dude like Brogdon is going to help that. And a whole season of Derek White, because it really sure. throwing Derek White in there and asking him to be a playmaker, um, that's a tough task. You know, it's really you it's really rare that you see a midseason trade be the catalyst for an NBA championship because it takes so long to develop continuity. It really does, yeah. And and that's a great point. And I think people were understandably very like hot and cold on his you know performance but we saw flashes of what he can bring and what he definitely brings every night is really really good decision making mm-hmm. really really quick ball movement and just amazing defense mm-hmm. i mean he was there every night defensively and that's another thing that's really exciting um you know gallinari notwithstanding uh, the sort of top end of this rotation, because I think your playoff rotation does not include Peyton Pritchard or Gallinari. Anymore, no, I don't right? think no. And so sure. now it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's plus defender. It's good to like very, very good, you know, plus defender through the whole rotation. And I think that ultimately if you have Marcus, and white or Marcus and Jalen as the starting guards. And then you're bringing Brogdon and white, Mm. you know, like off the bench, it's just, it's no drop off. It's almost even more. So that's going to be amazing. And then when you think about closing lineups, you know, there's of course, like the warriors had the lineup of death. And then I forget what they call it with Jordan pool, something, the dead pool or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Silly. But you know, I don't know if this lineup would play actually in closing minutes because they'd be a little small, but you could trot out Marcus, Brogdon, White, and the Jays. Like, wow, that you could just have that's a like a yeah, completely six five to six nine, all wing, all mm-hmm. defense, all versatility, all shooting, with the exception of Marcus. I mean, you could really like 
you could get crazy. And I don't know that they'll go that far, but the potential closing lineups are just, as we've said, positional versatility is awesome. I think it's really exciting. And I'm excited to see uh, both someone like Derek White get a full season, really integrated, and also people like Grant or even Tatum come back from really fading. And I think they know it. Um, you know, Tatum spoke about it recently on a podcast, really opened up a bit about the pain of losing because he had been a little bit criticized yep. uh, for not taking it harder seemingly, but uh, you know, these guys were just decimated and Marcus has talked about it too. Grant, like I'm excited to see Marcus Grant Tatum Jalen with all the rumors. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see the core come back hungrier, come back and now firmly with these expectations, see if they can live up to it. I don't know how much you can put yourself back to 2015, 16, 17, Corey, but pretty recent. And I remember all of a sudden in 2015, we are winning games with Isaiah and going to the playoffs out of nowhere. And 2016, you know, we get these free agents and there's all of a sudden high expectations. And that flip from an exciting underdog to expectations, divisional or title favorites can be really interesting. And it puts a lot of, you know, pressure and scrutiny on the early season games, all this stuff. So I'm excited to see how the guys respond to everything that's going to be different, especially than the last couple of years. The last couple of years have been really, you know, especially going into last year, but the previous couple of years have been really disappointing. The bubble was so fun and so hopeful. And then it was like, Ooh, yikes. What happened? Really didn't know what this group sort of had in their heart and then they proved it. So now I'm, Excited to see this group like really grow up and the younger guys hopefully lead the way. It's amazing. Of course, so much has been said about Tatum's age, but even Jalen Brown, Rob Grant, like Mm -hmm. all these guys are under 27, which is supposed to be, you know, the peak age for an NBA athlete. I believe it is their 27 uh, year. None of our core guys are even at that year you know that's just so exciting that we could be at the peak of this core in two three years right that's what it feels like um think about like and like rob like rob has so much growing to do like right now he's just raw athleticism uh and like a really keen eye for the game and he can harness that and i think the coaches can harness that really well with him um but you were saying like this is like the old cliche in sports, right? Is that the hardest jump is from, from very good to being an elite team because it's not just how you play, but it's the weight of expectations. Um, and the Celtics have kind of gone through the cycle of being a very good team. They made a really late run last year to be an elite team, right? Like last year we were talking right. about them as an elite team. They finally made this jump. Um, but then there's this other jump from being an elite team, which they are a contender, very clearly a contender to actually being able to win the championship, right? Um, Being able to put that last step together, which like, if you want to be kind of depressed, 
go through since like 1990 and look at the NBA finals losers of teams that have like just come up. It's like a lot of teams that were this close. Right. Um, and, and couldn't put it together. Um, and so it is going to take that kind of grit and hunger of like, like that 2015 Celtics team with Avery Bradley, Jay Craddock, those guys that like put it all together um, with the elite talent, with a shitload of luck. It's really hard to win an NBA championship. It's really hard to be as close as the Celtics were last year to win an NBA championship. Um, So sustaining that and being able to pull that out uh, in the next couple of years, continuing to grow I'm optimistic, but it's going to be, it's still one more hump. Like we're not quite there yet. And I think we learned that when, when we played the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that mental toughness, that ability to manage and live up to expectations, but also to not just stay focused and calm, but in a way to not get ahead of yourself or Mm -hmm. to get a big head about it to get too, you know, confident really. And maybe last year's run uh, or last seasons, I should say, you know, the 2022 playoffs and finals run, maybe that team had gotten a little too confident just simply in their ability to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. To, to salvage it, to come back, to figure out a way to win when they needed to. Maybe there was a little bit of that. Um, Moreover, I just think we saw this Warriors team of, you know, these wily veterans at the core that not only had been there before and knew how to win, but knew how to really, really stand in there in the face of everything. Mm -hmm. Take the best shot from the opponent, just kind of wipe off the sweat and start swinging. And it's almost like, it's not even, I don't know. I think you, you can't be completely unflappable. Like these are humans, but it's that, you know, getting up again. And I know that's a cliche, but not only getting up again, but getting up again, confident, even though you just got knocked down. Yeah. Yeah. And they did, they got knocked down, you know, really good. And this, I think this whole next season is hopefully like, a, all right, like now we're really ready. We've been through the fire, actually. Yeah. And Tatum specifically, I think he went through the whole superstar cycle. Oh, yeah. In like a three month period, right? Of, of being kind of like, is he going to be a superstar? Is he going to be a superstar? Then anointed after the Nets and the Bucks series. And then watching that kind of pressure and then have him fade and kind of realize that, oh, I'm carrying this team right now and I'm carrying a team with really high expectations. He went through it all, man. He like he learned how what it's like to be the superstar on a team that's expected to win a championship and not deliver. Um, and now, like you said, he's got it. Does he have it in him to stand back up and kick some ass next year? Um, I think, you know, his expectation has to be top five MVP voting uh, all NBA first team every year, right? That's like where he's got to be now. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to be that championship team. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's clear. I think that's the clear hope and expectation from himself 
from mm-hmm. yeah. league wide, not just the Celtics. Um, I'm sure you, you probably caught that he popped into the crossover, um, Jamal Crawford's pro oh, yeah. game in Seattle the yep, other night. Yep. And among the random and funny things coming out of that game, you know, were the fact that it got shut down early because it was like too humid and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But every report had Tatum, Tatum just lighting it up and clearly showing out even with LeBron playing. Yep. And he is that guy. And I think he is ready. And the whole league, including other teams, other players, other superstars are now anointing, yeah. you know, beckoning, making space. And like you said, that's every year now. Like you don't, unless knock on something that I hope is wood, there's <laughs> some catastrophic injury. You don't get to that place and then leave it. Right. right. Once you hit that upper echelon, you are hopefully <laughs> uh, going to be in the talk for first team all NBA uh, every year. So my hope is that Tatum is ready for that. I don't see any obstacles truly like mm-hmm. physically, mentally team, you know, keys to the kingdom. I think everything's set up for him to really, really do it all season through the playoffs and hopefully to a championship. But there's always a lot of factors. And as you said, luck and fortune being one of them, we didn't have perfect luck last season. There was the, you know, Rob Williams and other injuries, but we had some really good fortune and luck through late season in the playoffs. I think there's a world in which we lose even a top rotation guy again and still go back, um, especially some of the positional versatility. But moreover, I think that if this team can really, through the regular season, gel and establish the identity of the team and the sort of rotations and permutations that play well, I think they can do it. I believe in this team. And I think the title favorite designation is warranted right now. Well, Aaron, definitely. Um, And that's really, that's what the regular season is, right? Is uh, establishing a routine so that when, things are not going perfect. You are, you have this wealth of the season to fall back on of like, okay, here's, here's what we can do in these situations. Right. Um, it's getting yourself completely comfortable in the routine, um, of how they play together. It it wasn't necessarily like last year was so just like such two different seasons, um, that you felt like the, the great version of the Celtics never faced adversity until the champion, until the playoffs. Right. Like that team, steamrolled so much through the season that that they never got that point of like okay how does how does us as an elite team deal with it playing poorly uh and still be able to win games because they were winning by 20 25 points every game yeah um this year they have that wealth of being an elite team they they now can build those reps together um with the new guys coming in it's a weird time in the nba i think it's i, I would say there's probably five teams in the east four teams in the West that could win the championship, like have really solid championship chances. So it's wide open. I think the Celtics are 
have earned the right to be on top uh, of that. There's no super team that's going to come that, like, you know, that you're terrified of. The Celtics are as good as anyone. They're as talented as, as anyone. Uh, and they've now been through it. So, yeah. Fired up, man. I think it's going to be a really, really <laughs> great season. Uh, I, you know, 50 to 60 wins is like 60 wins is what we want to shoot for. Top seed, just feeling good all year. Um, kind of like figuring out those rotations. Yeah. Um, because it's like the regular season is so long. It's such just like, it really is just a, a, a long kind of come February, March, it becomes a slog. Um, I'm interested to see if he may is a little more creative with his rotations during the regular season. Cause that's another thing I think they didn't do a lot of is he kind of had his guys for sure. And those were the guys. And these are the, this is the set routine that we're going to do. Um, so I'd like to see him be a little more creative just so they have a little bit play off of that flexibility a little bit, play that five tiny guy lineup, man. <laughs> let's let's like, <laughs> let's just play with some stuff. Yeah. No, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff that he can try. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of good signs that um, that it will be a bit deeper and more flexible. I also, I like sort of really affirming what worked last year. Um, so by all reports, you know, like you were talking about, Brogdon will come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and by season's end, maybe that won't be the case. Like I could see by season's end, our starting five having shifted, mm-hmm. but I do like the idea that he's going to come back with the same starting five that was so good and really heavily, you know, integrate the veterans quickly. So I'd love to see early season, a really good dominant team because he's playing the same starting five. Plus he's really working in Derek white, Brogdon, Gallo, Grant, um, and then even going deeper because, you know, like we said, it was seven to eight guys last season, but there's 10 easily mm-hmm. that could be in like a every game regular season rotation. And um, so, yeah, it'd be fun to see the big or smaller permutations and what really works to get guys rest. And I think that there's obvious cases like, just getting Al his rest minutes and back-to-back wise, but the wings, you know, Tatum and Brown and um, just getting their regular season minutes down, figuring out the lineups that get you from, you know, that starting rotation to it's late Q3. We've got a good lead. Your guys are resting a bit. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. And I do think the personnel is going to allow that another year of the core guys, a fresh year with Derek white. And of course for Ime, last year was his first year. Yeah, I mean, We forget all about that, that he was also going through that learning curve. First time head coach. So yeah. Yeah. A lot to be excited about. And, you know, I think there's obvious questions we talked about you know the big man rotation um there's some obvious questions as any team has you know there's really is no juggernaut um we've had different title winners for i can't do the math quickly but it's like a lot of the last Mm -hmm. seasons like with the yeah it's been rotating so there's there's parity 
at the top. There's definitely favorites, but there's parity at the top. And sort of any one of those top teams seems like could end up standing at the end. Uh, and I'm excited to just see how everything kind of shakes out. It's been a very exciting off season without that much movement. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of alluded to there's like a lot of talk, but not as much movement. I just want to say, I'm not that scared of any of the other teams. Like I don't see any of the other top contenders having gotten better discernibly and potentially even a few of them having maybe dropped a little bit or just being more of a question mark. Um, I think there are some young teams that'll come back just as strong like Memphis, but a lot of people were talking about Philadelphia. I don't see anything to be afraid of over there. Yeah. PJ Tucker. Like I I feel like sports writers love PJ Tucker. Um, The same thing happened with Miami. When he went to Miami, they're like, well, Miami's the title favorites now. It's like, he's PJ Tucker. Like he's a, he's a solid player. Um, But I agree. I think that of the the teams at the top, um, it's hard to argue that the Celtics didn't get the best better. Like they improved more than anyone with with Brogdon and Gallo. I think like, You know, Milwaukee didn't make any huge changes. Um, Miami didn't make any huge changes. We've got Houston North coming for Philly, but it's not like it's not a terrifying team in the East. Um, you could say Brooklyn with Ben Simmons coming back and Joe Harris coming back and Royce O'Neal. Like it would be really kind of ironic if they were the team that improved the most in the offseason. But there <laughs> is like I guess there's a way you could look at it that Brooklyn is going to be more dangerous next year. Um, sure. Yeah. But they still, you know, are are a team of head cases and a coach that doesn't necessarily know how to work that team yet. So, um, those, those issues in Brooklyn are still there. Uh, yeah, I think it also matters having beaten a team head to head like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, they got a lot better in players, you know, three through six, let's say, you know, got, significantly bumped up with Harris coming back, hopefully Ben Simmons healthy, uh, you know, a full season of some of these guys, but at the same time, Kyrie and Durant looked pretty beaten by the Celtics last season. So, um, but I definitely agree that they, other than the Celtics and maybe even could have gotten the best out of uh, East coast contenders. And certainly if everyone plays well and stays healthy, is a, a team to be feared again and be wary of for sure. Uh, but yeah, no one, no one that really, really, you know, strikes fear in your heart. And I think part of that too, is just what we saw last year, the way that they beat Giannis Durant, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've watched the, you know, Al slam and forearm on Giannis or even just like as sad as it was for both teams, kind of the end of the Miami series. Oh God, (laughs) that last shot, (laughs) the last shot from Jimmy Butler and just like how heat fans keep like clinging to this, like Max Struess wasn't out of bounds. It's like, but he was just look at the (laughs) other angles. Like, but anyhow, the point being that like no one, there's no one in the East that strikes fear in my heart uh, in the same way that, you know, I think Steph Curry still should. And I think LeBron on a better team still should, 
But none of those top guys on the East contenders strike fear in my heart anymore because I saw the Celtics withstand their best. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty exciting, uh, to head into this season. And of course the basketball and, you know, encore things have been exciting and mostly positive, but I did want to just give RIP to the greatest Celtic and maybe greatest NBA player of all time. Bill Russell, who passed since our last episode, uh, pretty epic, epic life and man and legacy from basketball to way, way beyond to just the person he clearly was from all the stories and pretty amazing that uh, he was so close to the team and as sad as it is to lose him that he got 88 plus years of such amazing accomplishments and celebration. I feel like his final years, he really started to get the love and appreciation he deserved. Um, His number is going to be soon retired league wide. First time the NBA is doing this. So a big heartfelt RIP uh, love to the whole family and Celtics family. I always just was in awe of, you know, a figure that could not only win so much, not only go up against, you know, Wilt Chamberlain and while Wilt always got the personal battles, Bill always won the team battles, but also withstanding a climate like Boston to become the first black head coach and just the grace and just pure poise and grace and greatness, you know, he carried as a person. Uh, yeah, well, amazing. Uh, uh, watching him with Kevin Garnett after the 2008 championships, one of my favorite memories of, of that, of that run and of that team. Um, you know, just like, like you said, his how close he remained and how he remained a fabric of, of the Celtics family for what 60 years, 65, you know, like, uh, is, is pretty amazing, and I think it, it is what separates the Celtics organization. I think as like because it it is it, it's such a historical organization that's such a deep history to it, um, and it has guys that are still connected. And um, it is sad that that generation uh, we're losing most of them. Right? There's just Bob Cousy yeah. kicking around these days, um, and yeah. he's grumpy down in Florida. So, uh, but yeah. yeah it, it was, it was, I think that it helped, helps young people, young players kind of understand a little bit more of the franchise to have him, him around, have him in the practice facility, have him come by um, and just talk basketball because he loved talking basketball. That's a, the other thing about Bill Russell is he never stopped wanting to talk, ba- talk basketball. Beautiful. And I can't remember where it was. So, uh, you know, we're not experts and we don't remember sources necessarily, but whoever was the first, I'm sure other people have, you know, postulated or even just pointed out. But uh, I heard recently someone point out that uh, when Jerry West was made the logo on uh, your hat there and (laughs) on the NBA logo for anyone to see, that's a picture of Jerry West, someone pointed out that that should be Bill Russell. And I can see it now, you know, going up for a rebound, yeah. probably that famous Russell 
defensive, you know, stance. Um, so I'd like to just, you know, throw our votes in the ring here when the NBA refreshes the logo, maybe even when they retire his number league wide should make that logo bill Russell because he is the epitome of the greatness and history and everything that's amazing about this game. And just so proud that, you know, we posthumously and sort of forevermore, he'll just remain such a storied figure. You know, there's, he's up there now with red, right. Hanging mm-hmm. out. And uh, Tommy's up and there. Tommy. Yeah. Uh, you know, all those greats are now hanging together, but uh, Bill will, I think continue to just be such a figure for the NBA, especially over the next few years as they do this retirement and, you know, whatever else they do, I think they'll probably name some stuff after some more Mm -hmm. stuff after him. Right. So really excited about that. And um, yeah, it's pretty amazing that he was able to hang in this long would have been amazing to get banner 18 for him and with him in the building or in the arena. So um, it's a bummer. We didn't get there, but you know that he was so proud uh, that moment, you know, after with Garnett in 2008, after the championship and just that whole just kindred spirits of, of Garnett and Bill Russell uh, through that championship run was so amazing and sweet. And I know he loved, Jalen Brown and a lot of Marcus and Jason and a lot of the current guys you know he and Jalen Brown really connected on social justice stuff yeah. and a lot of other things. So rest in peace to, in my mind, you know, maybe the greatest ever for all his accomplishments and certainly, certainly one of the greatest Celtics ever on and off the court, Bill Russell, I'm excited to see, yeah, just what the whole league does to honor him. And, uh, yeah, maybe he'll be the logo someday. Love the idea, Eli. We're going to say uh, you came up. We're going to say you came up with it. I came up with it a couple yeah. of years ago. And, <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I think that's a, you know, really nice and a good way to sort of wrap up this off-season episode I think we're both very excited for the next upcoming season and excited to just see how this team really manages now the expectations that come with having gotten to the finals and being the favorites now. So uh, pretty excited over here at Celtic strong. We hope all the fans listening are and if you don't already get on to celticstrong.com, the number one fan chat forum for Boston Celtics fans on the web, celticstrong.com. Corey, I hope you have a good rest of your summer. Any last words before we sign off? I just can't wait till the season opens. I got every game put into my Google calendar now, so I'm ready to go. Yes. Awesome. Well, we are very excited and thanks everyone for joining us again for this discussion. And thanks to all our listeners who have stayed. Go Celtics. Anything's possible. Anything's possible.